0: When there are holidays, people often will say something like, you know, happy Thanksgiving. But based on the holidays we've experienced, the Apostle Paul reminds us that our greeting can simply be this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. We are in that time of the year that one would maybe say it's the holiday season. As somebody observed for me recently that... uh, It seems that throughout the year we have holidays spread out but at this time of the year we really pack them all in i suppose somebody could say we already started this past week with you know halloween and now thanksgiving is coming up in a few weeks so we're all focused on that and of course the christmas season and all the commercialism with it has already started but in the church as i said before there are also some holidays that we observe this past week reformation And then All Saints Day, November 1st. Did you know that the word Halloween actually came from All Saints Day? That was called Hallows Day, All Hallows Day. And so the evening before then was called Hallows Eve, from which it became Halloween. But it's a time when the church would thank God for all of the saints, all of the believers in him. Now we have some other important dates coming up too in these next few weeks. Uh, You see their Advent as, uh, as we get ready for Christmas. But before that we have some special Sundays that we refer to at the end of the church year. We talk about All Saints Day but we also talk about the end times. We remind ourselves of Christ's promise that he will return and there will be a judgment day but also we are assured of Christ's rule over everything. Well, what I've decided that we would do then this month as we observe those other particular days is to group them all together under the theme of thankfulness. I am thankful, I am thankful for, and today we're gonna start with, I am thankful for God's people. As you heard earlier in our epistle reading today, This was a standard way for Paul to begin his letters in the Bible. If you look at each one of them, you'll see that in them he expresses thanks to God for his fellow believers. We're gonna use another one of his letters this morning, Colossians, and we're gonna see how it is that you and I can also be thankful for God's people. Paul starts out this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people of Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Just from those words, we already see how his thankfulness starts out as he is recognizing who the people of God are. Now, he isn't calling them off by name. He isn't thinking of one particular congregation or or group of people. Rather, he lists some other characteristics of them. He called them holy or set apart for God. Holy. Is that how you think of yourself? Is that how you think of the other people around you, holy? Just as it's, you know, easy for us to find fault with other people and we're in a world that's always filled with criticism of other people, so we can look at ourselves and also be critical. We see our failings, we see our faults, especially when we look into God's word and compare our lives with what he said our lives should be. And we wonder then, How could Paul call anybody holy? Because when we think of holy, we think of sinless, that you have no faults. How is it that we could be holy? Well, that's how God sees us. And that's why Paul addressed these people as holy, because God sees us in Christ. We see our record of wrongs. We could come up with a list very easily. But let me tell you what God's list shows. There's a Psalm verse that goes like this. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Yeah, we could come up with a big list. We would have a book filled with all of our faults. And we would think God certainly must have a book like that too. But it's been erased. That record of wrongs has been removed. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It cleanses us from all of our sins. In my office, uh, this picture is hanging on the wall. And recently somebody asked me, "Uh, Pastor, who's that person in the picture? And I said to him, it's me and it's you. It's every sinner. When I first saw that painting in a store, I couldn't quite get it. Why would somebody dressed in jeans and a t-shirt be be there with Jesus? It, It just seemed out of place. But then I realized one day that was me. Holding the hammer, holding the nail. I'm the one who crucified Christ. But look at what God is doing. Look at what Jesus is doing. He's holding me up. He's hugging me. And at the bottom of that painting is printed that verse from the Psalms. Lord, if you kept the record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. And that's why Paul could say, to God's holy people but holy means more than just being without sin it also means having a perfect righteousness a perfect obedience to all of the laws of God now how do we get that when we're constantly breaking all of those laws the apostle Paul reminds us of that too when he writes for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ When we were baptized, not only were our sins washed away, but God put on us the righteousness of Christ so that we have that perfect obedience to be able to stand in His presence, bold and unashamed. That's what it means to be holy in Christ. But in my outline, I put the word set apart. The word that's used there in the Greek, while we can translate it as holy, really means to be separated, to be set apart. We have been set apart by God and for God because he's made us holy. Now, you know what it's like to have something set apart for you. For example, if you went in and made some kind of a big purchase, you know, that, that particular thing, let's say it's a car, while it's not in your possession quite yet, is yours. They have it set apart for you. You're still signing the papers. You're still writing the check. You're still working out the payment plan. Then finally they give you the keys and you can go sit in the car and off you go. So you know what it means to have something set apart. It's been paid for and signed for and it's your possession. That's what Paul is saying about us. We've been set apart by God and for God. We've been set apart by him because Christ paid the price for us to redeem us from sin and death and the devil. We have been signed for by the blood of Christ. His name is written on our foreheads. The Holy Spirit has been given to seal us, to protect us in faith. In other words, we are God's people forever and it will not change. That's how Paul sees the people of God. But he also referred to them as God's faithful people. Now the word faithful simply means that these are people who believe in God. And that word believe means they put their trust in him. Not only do we know that it's Christ who has redeemed us, we trust that. We don't trust in ourselves and our character or our works. We only trust in the works of Christ for our salvation. And so when we are called a faithful people, it means we are always believing and always trusting. We are always worshiping and we are always serving because we know we are God's redeemed people. Now let let me give you a little quiz this morning. What percentage of the world's population do you think are God's people? Are, that is, are Christians. What percentage? It's 31%. Just a little less than a third of the world's population believes in Jesus as their God and their Savior. And so there's a lot of people who don't believe that who are not the holy people of God by their faith in Christ. Now, let's bring it home a little bit. What percentage of people in America do you think are Christian? That number is 72% or 73%. Now, I've heard numbers being a little bit higher, but over the years, that has begun to shrink. I've even heard of numbers lower than that, But here's my point in looking at that. It's easy to look and see all the people who aren't, but look at the people who are. And that's what Paul is saying. Look at the people who are the holy people of God, the faithful people in Christ who believe and are blessed with eternal life. Be thankful. Recognize them and be thankful for them. And when you come to church, how do you see the people around you? Do you see them by family groups? Do you see them by age, you know, the senior citizens or the young people? Do you see them by groups they're involved with, a choir or a fellowship group or a particular class or something like that? We have ways sometimes of simply looking at people by their outward characteristics. Notice when Paul was addressing this letter to this congregation, he only saw them the way God sees them, as holy and as dedicated. And I would urge us to see people that way too. If uh, you have a cell phone, you probably know that your phone can do more than simply make phone calls unless you have one that's simply a a flip phone I guess where that's pretty much all it does but today with uh, smartphones or iPhones you know you can you can text you can do email you can do web searches you can take pictures you can store things on there all sorts of things right if you had a phone like that though and didn't know all the things it could do you'd be missing out And here's my point. If we simply look at one another and simply see the outward characteristics, those small small number of things, we're missing out on everything that God sees and God says about us and that God has made us. And so I would urge us to have a different view of people, of the people of God, to see them as those who've been blessed And set apart for him. And I think that'll that'll change the way we, we approach one another. You know, instead of being standoffish or not associating with people. Or maybe complaining about people. Instead, we will see them as people whom God has loved and set apart. Because that's how God sees us. That's how God treats us. God doesn't sit up in heaven and say, oh yeah, here's a group that's really active and and here's a group that just doesn't do anything. God doesn't sit up in heaven and complain. If God were to complain about people, he'd be complaining about me all day long. That's all he'd have to do. But God doesn't complain about us. God loves us and only sees us as his blessed people. That's how we should see one another. And that's how Paul goes on to talk about God's people. He now cites how they are blessed by God. Let's read on and hear what he says. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epiphros, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Paul's talking about how the people of God are blessed. Now, sometimes when we talk about people being blessed, we may think of, oh yeah, did you see the car they're driving? Or did you hear about the nice house that they bought? Did you hear about the job or the promotion they got? In other words, when we talk about people being blessed, we tend to think of all the the physical outward things that they have, but Paul wasn't talking about cars or homes or jobs or promotions or salaries. He was talking about the spiritual blessings. He was talking about the blessings of salvation that God has given to his people. Faith, love, and hope. Faith because that's that trust that we have in Christ for our salvation. And that we have to understand is not something we've worked up on our own. Because when we came into this world, we had no faith or fear of God. But God in his grace gave us that faith through his means of grace, through the word and through the sacrament when we were baptized, when we heard the word. And as we continue to receive communion, God keeps building that faith, that trust in him. From that faith flows love because that faith grabs hold of the love of God. And when we understand God's love, when we fully understand it, then we too will love, love God, and love our fellow people. And from that springs hope. Hope here isn't a wish, like, boy, I hope I win that lottery. But it's it's a confidence. It's a looking forward with absolute confidence in the blessings and plan of God. Now in this world... We don't live with a lot of hope, do we? <laughs> There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of concern. What's going to happen with our country? What's going to happen in my own life? And that's because we put our, our trust, our confidence in what we, what we see or what we hear in others or what we experience. Instead of listening to the word of God and relying on his work. When you have that kind of hope, then your life changes then your life has a different perspective. Then your life has purpose. But realize all of that comes from the gospel. These blessings come to us because God has given them to us in that good news message of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Not by what we have done, not by how good we've lived our life, but only by God's grace. That he told us like he did the Colossians that it's come to us through the preaching of the word. He reminds them that their faith was given birth and grew because of the teaching that came to it from his fellow servants. And that reminds us of what our duty is then too, to proclaim God's word. That's what we have as the mission, as the purpose of our congregation to grow in the grace, to know the grace of God, to grow in faith, love, and service, and to go with the gospel out into the community and the world. How thankful we can be that God works through what we do for him. How thankful we can be when we have so many programs, so many things going on at this church, and they're all focused on one thing, people's faith, their relationship with God. Whether it be in our classes, our fellowship activities, or our service activities, they're all focused on sharing the Word of God. How thankful we can be that we have a Christian school next year, 50 years old, that serves every day several hundred kids here. And it has for those 50 years. Wow. God's Word is ringing out from us because that's the purpose God has given us, to bless his people when you come to church what are you looking for in the people here not just how do you see them but is it you're expecting something from them oh here's somebody who could be great in inquire. choir here's somebody who could take over that position and do that job just fine how about this Rather than seeing what we can get from them, how about what we can do for them? How can we serve them? How can we help them in their faith, in their love, in their service to God? You know, we've got to be careful that we aren't just simply looking at people and, and, and measuring them by outward fruits, by what we can see. But recognizing that God is working in the hearts of the people to grow their faith. Uh, I'm blessed to have the position in working with people that I, can, I talk about their faith and I can see how their faith grows. And I say that not because I see it, but because God says that's will happen when you hear his word. And so let's be thankful to God as we see his people and recognize how they are blessed. Paul then shows us how it is we can show that thankfulness. And that is simply pray for them. And that's what he does next. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives In the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul's list for praying was about those same spiritual blessings for which he just gave thanks. He prays that they would grow in faith in love and in service. Imagine a child that's born and then is never fed or never taken care of. Do you think that child would live very long? Or what about you? What if if you just stopped eating? What if you just stopped taking care of your body? Do you think you would be strong and healthy and live very long? No, we know we need to care for our body In the same way, we need to care for our soul. Because our soul needs to be strengthened day after day. It needs to grow in its trust to have that love and assurance of our salvation. You know, it's easy to get fooled when we see people doing well on the outside. When they have a good job and they have a good house and family and all sorts of possessions and things are going fine for them. In fact, we'll say, well, things are really going well for them. But what about their faith? Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by what you see on the outside. What is their faith like in God? Because that's how God gives us eternal life. And so be thankful by praying for others that they grow in this faith and this love And this hope. And recognize that they're going to be blessed. And the people around them will be blessed. But more so that God will be glorified. Because Paul says you do all of this with joyful thanks to the Father. Giving him the glory. Thanking him for our fellow believers. Thanking him for how he's working in their hearts and their lives. Because it's God who is blessing and saving. You know there is no better thing that you can do for someone than to pray for them how wonderful it is to have your name brought before god how wonderful it is to have your needs placed at his throne and then to know that avenue of prayer that avenue of blessing has been opened and people will be blessed So let me encourage you this week as we are in now the week of, or the month rather, in which we observe Thanksgiving, to start a prayer list, to be thankful for the people of God. Who should be on that list? Well, your family and your friends, your church family and our school, our church body, and all the people who are now preparing to be the future pastors and teachers in the decades to come. Pray for them, because that's the best way to say thank you. Thank you, God, for your people. Amen.